Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, March 17, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What are those lines on the screen? We'll get to those later. Those were used from an intraday perspective. When we get to inside the numbers, we're going to use those lines. For the purposes of this daily chart, we have a couple of obvious things on the board. Number one, the market closed at another new all-time high. Okay, fair enough. The trend is your friend until she dumps you. We know all that. We had Kabuki Theater today. That means that the FOMC had their two-day meeting. It culminates with an interest rate announcement at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. That happened. What did they do? Nothing. What were they expected to do? Nothing. So all in all, the Fed becomes a non-event. What are they trying to do? What's jumping off the chart at me at present? Remember, time is more important than price. So while beginning next week, we're on the lookout for another sign or signal of a trend change, between now and then, what we're doing is we're going with the awareness that as they get closer to the next big fat round number, We'll call it SPY 400, S&P 4000. As they get closer, those type of numbers act magnetic. It's going to pull price in. Do they have to stop there? No. It depends if we're still in the middle of a melt-up. Could they spike on through? Could they go up to 4100? Absolutely. Anything is possible. Anything goes. At this point, we check our biases at the door until and unless we see a sign and signal of a trend change. We'll see one, and what I've done is I've put out my idea of when the next one might occur. Remember, this week is quadruple witching options expiration week. That means that options on four different asset classes are expiring. Does that impact many individual traders? It can from an individual equity perspective, meaning an individual stock, For the most part, the job of the institutional options desk, the institutional options trading force, if you will, their job as market makers in the options world, their job is to make as many options, puts or calls, expire worthless as they can. So those that would have sold them would make money. Those that would have bought them would lose money. Most option traders whether it's 80% or 90% or 71.8%, I have no idea. But I know most option traders that buy a put or buy a call lose. That's not new information. We've discussed that here before several times. When I give you that kind of statistic or that rough statistic, what am I really referring to? What I'm referring to is mostly near-dated options, weekly options, near-dated monthly options, even into the following month. A lot of times, if you get the direction of whatever you're trading an option on wrong, and it goes wrong for three, four, five days on you, they'll suck the premium out. It's very difficult to even get back to even unless that particular equity or market goes on the run you expected in your direction. That's fine. You can recover. But once they start to suck the premium out, the option trader that bought a put or bought a call and it's going against them, they're fighting an uphill battle against time and price. Is there anything else material on the SPY daily chart that we need to go over? 
No, they're pushing to new highs. That puts the market up in no man's land. In no man's land, we don't have a point of reference. So therefore, as they push up into no man's land, we simply sit back and wait for a sign or signal of a trend change. Period. End of story. Let's talk through inside the numbers. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. We start with the pre-market commentary. What is it? It's hump day, as well as whipsaw Wednesday. In case anybody was unfamiliar with what whipsaw Wednesday is, I set up a link, and what it basically says is, the Wednesday of options expiration, specifically on quadruple witching options expiration, you should see some whipsaw behavior in the market. Period. That's it. It's just a name, an old wives' tale, whatever you want to call it. We're waiting on the Fed. We knew about that. We knew about that from yesterday. All right, fair enough. Let's see what we have in the early thoughts. Let's get right to the numbers. No change to the concept that 394 is still an important spot. Let's get this right out of the way. Right at the vertical, today's activity, five-minute chart, SPY, the blue line is 394. Here's the opening print, 394.53. They run down to make an immediate test of 394. They turn around and they go back up to another number, which we'll get to in a moment. It's the former high, 394.17, and normal for markets to run a test of such a spot. Below that, we've got 392, which would be the last line of defense for the bulls to keep things in breakout mode. The FOMC announcement, aka Kabuki Theater, happens today around 2 p.m. Remember, we're setting the table for the day. This is still zero dark 30. Can markets get very far in either direction before their announcement? They can, obviously anything can happen, but under normal garden variety conditions, they won't. If they provide a tradable range before the curtain rises, we'll take it. Okay, let's move it along a little bit and see what happens as the morning unfolds. Time to narrow the numbers, not time to make the donuts, time to narrow the numbers. Important stuff to be aware of. Again, we're in the awareness phase of the trading day. First, above current price is 396. It's a zone of overhead resistance getting above 396 and a quarter and closing candles above opens the door for 397 and as high as 397.40. Back to the chart for a moment and you'll see we were in a spike the market type of situation with the Fed slash Kabuki Theater. That's why we call it Kabuki Theater. Whipsaw Wednesday plus Kabuki Theater equals market volatility. But you can see here two blue lines, 396 and a quarter and 396 in between. That was the garden variety overhead resistance. Now, even in this five minute candle, you can see they ran up there. It was a gap. They filled the gap. They spike it a little bit. And then they come immediately back down only to run some further tests. But you can see if you just look at this span of time, that general zone was overhead resistance. And while we're here, let's not forget 397.40. I mean, they did the whole thing. They went up to 398. This was spike type of afternoon because of the kabuki situation. Now, let's say they sell them at the open and push price lower. Where to? 394 to 393.60 is a zone of support. Under normal market conditions, there would be a bounce and a long opportunity from that zone. One more thing in this little post, we want to notice 394.80. That's our early pivot. That's going to be important to determine 
who's in charge of the morning session. Now we've adjusted the chart. The two blue lines at the bottom represent 394 and 393.60, which was the zone of support. They come into 394 a couple of times. They have a nice rally away from it. Then they come down and they do the 393.60, a little bit lower, have a nice rally away from it. It pays to know your numbers. There were plenty of traders that took advantage of that opportunity this morning. Let's not forget 394.80, now the top blue line, that was the pivot. Until and unless they get above the pivot, there's nothing doing on the north side. They have to get above the pivot. They have to start closing candles above the pivot to make something happen. Well, it took the Federal Reserve Chair press conference or after the meeting, whatever it was, in this span of time. Yeah, this is right after the meeting or this is after the announcement. This is the candle ending at 2.05. So as soon as that happened, they spiked the market and that was the end of it. But guess what? Until that happened, when the market was below the pivot of 394.80, we knew what? We knew they weren't going anywhere. It pays to know your numbers. All right, let's move it along a little bit, see what else we have. We'll let them go for a while. That's at 9.17. KC does the deal. This is from Stocks on the Move. They did the minimum required base hit off the second price. Nice trade. 9.34, not lost on me about the misses by one penny. NIO and NRG. They came into the number, missed by a penny, bounced away, changes the trade. We're going to look at the charts. And by 934, at the same time, the SPY is running the test of 394 down to 393.60. All right, let's move it along. 937, PDD does the deal, and then some. Again, off stocks on the move. 939, SPY is in the zone for showtime. The bulls should be able to find support in the zone and bounce the market. What puts that on hold? Where is it wrong? Closing candles below 393.60. That's it. That was right here. This is the candle ending at 940. This is the candle ending at 945. They did it a couple of times. That was the zone. We're moving right along. Traders long SPY from down there need to book profit along the way. They don't have to be finished with the test. And in fact, they weren't. A reminder, it's a trade, not a marriage. Remember, 394.80 is the pivot, which means it should be some resistance on the way back up. And it was. It pays to know your numbers for entries and exits. And we're moving right along again. Now from here, hopefully you get the picture, you get the point. What I urge you to do is pause the video, read the notes, go through them, look at the numbers. Reference back to the charts to double-check the work. See what was said, see what was discussed, see what you can learn, see what the numbers were, see what the market did after the post was made. And then, as we get into the afternoon session, after lunchtime, getting closer to the Fed announcement, we start to get some stuff back on the board. We're just refreshing our memory with some numbers pre-Fed announcement, we're looking for 396, 396 and a quarter. That was the gap. They did that. They spiked it by a little bit, but they came right in. We were prepared on the downside. We didn't need the downside, but you have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. You have to be aware of both sides of the tape. 201, and they're off, heading for 396 and could be more. Never know. And for the rest of the afternoon, you can read the notes, go back to the charts, see what you could have learned, 
see what the numbers were, see what the market did after the posts were made. Stocks on the move. The ones we're going to take a look at are PDD, Momo, NRG, KC, NIO. As always, we look at the good, the bad, and the fugly. The first one we're going to look at is the shit sandwich. The trade was wrong, the numbers were wrong, Momo didn't do what I expected it to do in the place I expected it to do it. This happens, we can't win every trade, we know about that. Once in a blue moon, this happens. It wasn't like a debacle or anything, it just took too long to get going, and the stop was $15.68 on hourly close. It closed an hour below the stop, and here's an hourly chart, and you can see here that the close of this hour was $15.56. The close of the first hour was $15.60. The stop was $15.68. So you can see that the stop was also a meaningful price. That's why the market, or Momo in this case, centered around it all day long until what? Until everybody cleared the way and then they had a end of the day ramp back up into the zone where the first and second number were. Nothing you could do about it, it's just the way it works. You move on. How about PDD, Pin Duo Duo. 148.70 put on the board bright and early. They spike it in the first couple of minutes of the day. Minutes later, what are they doing? They're making a high back up at 152.58. They do more than the minimum required base hit, and then some. They pretty much do the same thing at the second number you can see here. I think they came up one penny short here. The low was 145.74 against 145.74 cents. Then they come into it and then they have another spike. So technically speaking, maybe they came up short of the second number and bounced away, scared some traders away, but technically speaking, both numbers work. NRG was a no trade. Look at this. The low in the first candle of the day is 37.58 against my number of 37.57. So when they come close like that and bounce away, they essentially do the deal, even if it was the minimum required base hit, and they come back down, it changes the trade. So this one's off the table, and then by the time they get to the second one, they're dripping into it, so it's essentially a no trade twice, so NRG was off the table. How about KC and the Sunshine Band? Two numbers put up on the board bright and early, 45.60, 44.49. Guess what happened? They opened below the first number. So what happens? It's off the board. Wipe it away. Second number activated. What do they do? They run right into the second number. And here's where I tell you all the time. We can make a case for two numbers that are close together. So you might as well put them both on the board because it doesn't pay to guess which one's going to be the number. You just don't know. So 44.49 was the number. They spike it by a few pennies. Turn around, minutes later, what are they doing? They're making a high of 45.75. Obviously, if you took the trade at the second number, you're booking at minimum of some profit along the way. They jerked around for a while, but you can see what happened. Was this an important area? Yes, it was. It pays to know your numbers. The numbers work. NIO. Looking at this 15-minute chart, looks like a fabulous trade, rocket ride, home run, all that stuff. Here's what actually happened to me. Here's a one-minute chart. I'm sitting at 41.43. Third minute of the day, they come down and make a low of 41.44. They bounce away, doing at least the minimum required, if not more, obviously. I'm busy in the morning. 
I see this, I take the trade off the board. I pull the order. I'm watching the SPY. I'm in an SPY trade. I'm in other trades. Or I'm looking to get in other trades. I got a lot of stuff going on. When I see this, I don't mess around. I just discard it and I move on. Bad move. 41.43, put on the board bright and early. That was the number. The rest is history. Know your numbers. So all in all, if you look at the package of inside the numbers between stocks on the move and SPY, pretty darn good day, even with the Momo sandwich. What's doing over in Camp IWM? Not much. They're pushing toward the highs. They're above all the moving averages. Again, we're at the point now where we're at the mercy of a sign or signal of a trend change, whatever price it comes in at. If the markets push higher, the IWM will push higher, the S&P will push higher, the Qs will push higher. That's just the way it works. The transports will push higher. Same routine for the folks down at the transportation department. The trend is your friend. We know about that story. Pushing on the new highs made just a couple of days ago. There's nothing to see here. We just move it along. Still have an interesting chart, different from the other stuff, diverging from the other stuff, Interesting stuff from the folks out in Silicon Valley. So they closed above the 50-period moving average today, and that's a positive sign. But until and unless they close above this breakdown candle high that we talked about, and that high comes in at 324.33, we're rounding up to 325. It's a semi-fat round number. It's a clean number, three and a quarter. It rolls off the tongue. If they can close above three and a quarter, there is another leg higher. They'll likely run up to fill this gap up here. If they can't close above three and a quarter, then this is just a bounce and a downtrend. A lot can happen in the next two days toward the end of the week, so we wait and see. XLF, above all the moving averages, the trend is your friend, pushing on the highs, there's nothing to see here. Same routine as the other stuff. What we don't want to do when we look at a chart is A, insert our bias, we already know that, but psychologically, or some other psycho term you want to use, we don't want to invent something that's not there on the chart. That kind of goes hand in hand with inserting a bias. Some traders will say, hey, look, they put in a doji candle over here. They made a high that day and they haven't been back up since. So isn't that a topping signal? Well, it could be, but you have to consider all the other stuff going on. The trend is the dominant thing. The trend on the weekly chart is redonkulous, right? Look how far away it is from home base. So a couple of things going on that actually contradict each other. A, the trend is your friend, all that stuff. So the trend is the pull. It's pulling the market higher. As everything goes higher, the financials are going higher. The financials are obviously a big part of the index going higher. Interest rates going up benefit the financials right to the bottom line. We talked about that a number of times. So it's a big part of the S&P rise to begin with. And by the way, the IWM for that matter, there's a lot of financial stuff in there. But here's where the thing contradicts. So the trend is up, the pull is up, but look how far extended they are from home base. How long is that going to last for? Either they're going to have to go sideways for a while and let home base come up to price, or price is going to have to come down toward home base. Both can happen at the same time. But that's inevitable. They're not going to run away from home base and keep going. Can they go a little higher? Sure they can. But if you just look at the chart and use common sense, logic, call it what you want, how far are they really going to get from home base? 
They were pretty stretched here. This is when the market crashed early in 2020. But that's it. That's an anomaly. When else have they gotten that far away, at least what we could see on this page? And the answer is, they haven't. So, it's an extreme. Smash mouth. Same conversation as the Qs. It's a different chart than the rest. They're above this convergence of moving averages. That's a positive. They have to get higher. They have to really get above 250, and they will have another leg higher. Start closing daily above 250, and you will see another leg higher. And if that's happening in Smash Mouth, then it's happening across the board in everything else. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.